beautiful light-filled souls. I'm so excited to give you a tiny preview for the second annual Near-Death Experience Summit, and I'm here with Dr. Raymond Moody. I want him to weigh in on how near-death experiences brought him to a closer relationship with God. Well, Tricia, before I heard about near-death experiences when I was 18 years old, I had never had any real contact with the idea of an afterlife. And to me, I just wasn't interested in religion. And, uh, and yet the first living person I heard a near-death experience from was Dr. George Ritchie, who at that time was a professor of psychiatry at the University of Virginia when I was an undergraduate philosophy major. And I heard Dr. Ritchie's experience. And even though I had not had a prior contact with God, to me, it was almost like I felt the presence of God through George Ritchie's experience. And although I am still not religious, I do have a relationship with God. So my current book, which is about to come out soon, is called God is Bigger Than the Bible. And it talks about how uh, the, my encounter with near-death experiences brought me into a relationship with God. And many people strengthen their relationship with God in a variety of ways, but it's fascinating to me that near-death experiences help people strengthen their relationship with God. And, and that's interesting that it's helped you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I talk to God all the time. I mean, you know, morning and night and several times during the day. And uh, I just, um, you know, but I don't have that image of God that many do as a note taker who has a book where he's marking down our sins or uh, to me, I think God is a friend, or it's, it's a relationship. It's not a set of beliefs. Any belief that I, Raymond Moody, limited human being, could form about God would bound to be off base. But I have a very profound relationship with God. I mean, I, I mean it's a necessity for me in life. And my experience with God was the deepest unconditional healing love that I ever felt in my life. And I always encourage people to connect with that unconditional love because it heals the greatest of wounds. And it's the greatest story. We talk in, in our interview for the summit about the importance of stories. And there is no greater story than unconditional love. Well, that's right. You know, that's what it's all about. And yet... We have these blocking mechanisms so that we don't, I mean, you know, in a way, wouldn't life be kind of a bore if everything was all right? I think that in these temporary visits to this, uh, this zone that we take, that we call life, it, you know, you, it, it comes with difficulties and so on, but, but that's just part of the action. It's, um, you know, Tricia, I, um, in, in terms of this idea that uh, Ellie Wiesel and others have had of the narrative nature of personal identity, right? That life is your story. And um, I think that um, in, a way, in, in, in a way, what I'm saying is that this life that we're in is a kind of theater, right? Well, well 
you could easily take that and say that's just a metaphor and it's it's a nonsensical metaphor because what i'm doing when i do that is that i take one aspect of human life namely the theater and i project that out as a model for the whole of life and that's a logical fallacy and it would be if it weren't for the fact that i think the relationship is directly opposite and that is i uh, when i was doing geriatric psychiatry I heard recurrently from my patients this idea that as they reflected back on their life, these very reflective people saying, the older they get, the more the impression they develop that their life has been a kind of story or a play. And so I project that back and I think that the theater came because of that attitude that older people have. Now let me explain. We both know the history of the theater was that there had been this folk festival in which there was a chorus. And that was, it was a harvest festival, as I recall. And that was traditional. But during the reign of Pisistratus in Athens, for unknown reasons, one guy, Thespis, stepped forward from the chorus and spoke his own lines. And it created a sensation. Well, one of the main things about the Greeks was competitiveness, right? The athletics, the, the Olympics, that was their invention. Okay, so, of course, what should we do? Let's have a contest, right? To see who can write the best one of these. So Pisistratus set up a contest. First big winner, um, Aeschylus. Set, then came Sophocles. Then came Euripides. Um, Aeschylus makes it two folks, right? Two going back and forth. Then Sophocles, it's three. Then Euripides, it's the cast. That took 50 years to go from this initial thing to a profession. And the theaters were, eventually, were originally temples to the gods and goddesses. Now, what that means to me is that the theater is embedded in us. It's just part of us. And that, that Aeschylus and Sophocles and Euripides and Pisistratus sort of formalized that is what I think. Beautifully said. And, and I want to add that maybe my most enlightened moments have been when I refuse to play a role, when someone is acting as if they're an adversary and I sit down and I see the divinity in that person and the divinity of myself and I say, I refuse to play this role. I'm giving you unconditional love. And that's the end of the role. <laughs> you know, like, what can you do? <laughs> Similarly, in my profession, I was, uh, you know, I mean, this is a long time ago now, so I guess the statute of limitations has passed. <laughs> so I can talk about this, but we once had a, in one of the hospitals where I taught, there was a very well-known woman with a borderline personality and borderline personalities will come into the uh, emergency room night after night with some, trying to get admitted, right? But you quickly learn that if you admit them, they decompensate. So you have to keep them out by keeping them hooked up to their outside therapist, okay? So, but I had never laid eyes on this woman. Let's call her Phyllis, okay? But I knew she was in her early 20s and uh, I was following the story breathlessly because every few weeks we'd have a new person who had a conflict with with uh, Phyllis so we'd have to go through the get out the psychological charts and 
for a presentation. And so I knew the story very well, but just by the amazing luck of the draw, I had never been on call when, when uh, Phyllis had come in, but I knew the, the method was to just, you know, not admit her. So this one night I went down there and so they said, oh, Dr. Moody, Phyllis is here. And she's, uh, she's saying she's real sick. She's got to get in this hospital right now. Okay, so I went into the examining room and there was Phyllis in the pugilist position, right? You angry, right? And so I said, I'm Dr. Moody, oh, what's your problem? She said, well, I'm just sick, I'm real sick. I gotta get in this hospital right now. And I said, oh my God, woman, you are sick. I've never seen anybody sick as you are in my life. I, I gotta get you in this hospital right away. I sat down in the, and uh, the pretended to follow, called on the phone. Hello, I'm Dr. Moody, I got this patient. And she said, what are you talking about? I'm not sick. And I said, oh yes, you are. So I went back and forth. And, Finally, she just picked herself up with great dignity and said, well, you are crazier than I am. I'm going home. Other <laughs> <laughs> interactions with Phyllis, but everybody else, see, had taken her, you know, at, at that level and sort of acted to her hatefully. But I, I called her bluff on it and she couldn't, you know, she knew that I was you know, she got this. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's and, and, and really, then there was another encounter about three months later, and that fixed her up. It really did. Oh, <laughs> attention. That was a good point in her life. <laughs> attention and love can heal some deep wounds, and that's, that's an interesting, interesting thought. Well, Thank you. I know that you have um, two books coming out, Making Sense of Nonsense with uh, Llewellyn Publisher. Is that correct? That's right. And um, then also with Lisa Smart, the God is Bigger Than the Bible book. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And for everyone watching, please sign up for the blog at University of Heaven. There's lots of wonderful writers who are featured there. And there will be an announcement about the summit, which will occur in June. But thank you for talking with me, Raymond Moody. Thank you, and thanks to all the people who are looking at us, too. Thank you, guys, and thank you so much, Tricia. Thank you, and please subscribe to my YouTube channel so that you can hear more updates.